Well, welcome back to The Holy Ship, everyone. I'm Lydia, the host of Holy Ship Podcast, and today I'm so excited we get to talk about postpartum sex and just postpartum education in general. And we are joined by Zianya Brewer, who is an Amsterdam-based postpartum educator whose work focuses on empowering families as they transition into parenthood. She holds workshops aimed at fathers and couples on supporting your partner, yourself, and your baby to thrive together as a team. She's also been a baby wearing consultant for over six years now and holds a certificate in newborn sleep. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, so to start off, just to get to know you a little bit more personally, what is your favorite thing to do in your free time? Oh, free time. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, at the moment, I have taken up aerial silks. Ooh. I've been trying to go once a week for two years now, but I often right. manage to go once every two or three weeks. Um, but that's been a really fun and very challenging hobby while also being a great form of exercise. Yeah. I had a cousin who did that in college and like her arms, like I was like, how do you pull yourself? Like, it's so impressive. So kudos to you. Thanks. I'm still working on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Who are you? And like a little bit of your story. Yeah, um, I'm an American living in the Netherlands. We've been here for four and a half years. I have two kids, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And I work with the birth community in, um, yeah, I'm kind of self-titled myself as postpartum educator because I focus on preparing expecting families and for what comes after everything after birth Um and kind of normalizing all of that sleeplessness, parenthood, changes to your relationship, sex, all these topics that so often get ignored or are even a bit taboo to talk about when everyone is so focused on the process of birth and the baby. Um, My husband and I also teach a workshop together for expecting dads called Preparing for Fatherhood, and that's something I really, really love. Um, Does your husband do like a lot of work with you or like help like join you in It's just that one workshop and it's it's quite time consuming since it's both of us for two, for two big chunks of time and our time only teach it every three months or so. We have a babysitter and, um, but that's, that's the one thing I pulled him into because I had really been wanting to work with dads. Yeah. I felt there was such a need for it. And then I had actually spoken with multiple men that were interested in this area and dialogues and be like, can I, like, how can you, like, how can I support you in starting something here for fathers? But of course they're busy, you know, they have jobs, they like, this isn't their career. And so finally I was like, okay, like it it needs a male voice. I'm not a dad, but if someone, if a dad's not going to do it, then I'm going to just try it and see if men are receptive to learning from me. And I asked my husband to join me so that we would have a male voice. And he was like, yeah, okay. Um, And it's been really successful. All our workshops fill up. And um, there's a lot of word of mouth now in the community with midwives and doulas and such around it. And it's just, it's really rewarding. Yeah, that's incredible. And I feel like something that really needs to be like happening. So yeah, it's incredible. 
Um, so really curious, what made you want to become a postpartum educator and a baby wearing consultant? Um, yeah, it was a bit random because it's like my background is so othered, but my cousin was or is a baby wearing consultant in Belgium and she got me hooked on baby wearing when I had my first kid. And as I felt how empowering it was and helpful to me, I really wanted to share it with more people. And um, I have a in all the different kind of jobs I've had in the past, I've often been a teacher. So it's kind of something I naturally gravitate towards when I become passionate about something. I started volunteering in a community organization in Seattle to um, help people with baby wearing. And then I did a certification course with the Center for Baby Wearing Studies to officially become a consultant and educator. And my work really centered on baby wearing and doing workshops around that and in-home consultations for quite a f- several years. But the more I was in people's homes, seeing their lives with new babies um, and especially kind of the dynamic in couples, I just was seeing all these gaps. Like mm. I really saw that men were so often not invited into the conversation mm. So then they also don't feel expected to step up and be like completely aware and understanding everything that's happening with a baby. Um, And then the burden falls on women to figure out not only like how their body needs to heal, but and how to breastfeed and all these changes. But then they also are the ones that are trying to navigate why their relationship is changing, why sex is different. Um, Meanwhile, they're also trying to figure out how to care for a baby for the first time in their lives. So it just felt really unfair. Um, And also just that there were like so many things that I wanted to give people a heads up to. I think one of the big challenges though is that my workshops are for expecting families. They're pregnant, but then when they're pregnant, you don't really understand the depth of the information that you need yet. But once you have a baby, you don't have the bandwidth to take a workshop. Right. There is, it's a little bit of a funny balance of trying to find the people to take the workshops that are already kind of like, oh, there's going to be something coming, like mm-hmm. how to prepare for it. But yeah. once I find them, they're always like really engaged and interested and it's really fun. And if anyone doesn't know, can you explain a little bit more about what is baby wearing? Yeah, good question. Um, Baby wearing is wearing your child on your body with a carrier or a wrap or a sling. Um, So it's basically you get all the advantages of when you hold your baby because babies really like to be held. But um, yeah, you can hold a baby all day and they'll probably be really happy, but then you don't have your hands free. So for me, the benefits of baby wearing really shine for the the parents. Usually people look at it as like something babies want, but um, for adults, it's really a great way to build resilience and confidence and parenthood. Incredible. Um, So we have a few questions. Obviously, I have never had a child, so I had to outsource for some of these questions because I don't even know like some of the questions that would be helpful for um, postpartum moms. But one of them was, how do you find time to have sex when you're exhausted physically and emotionally after having a baby? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I want to reframe it to like, how do you find the desire to Mm. have sex when you're exhausted physically and emotionally? Because that tends to be, I think, the real question people Mm. are asking. Um, that if you have the desires there, like you'll find the time, like, are you going to have as much sex as you were having before 
no <laughs> like no <laughs> I don't know anyone that is no. in postpartum life for like the next five ten years um but uh you can get back to like a really good place in your sex life when you have the desire and that's what becomes really challenging and if you don't have desire to have sex you shouldn't be having sex um no one should be having sex when they don't want to be having sex so a lot changes when we become parents right our physical bodies our biology our hormones emotionally mentally it's a lot and it layers a lot of layer it layers on a lot of stress so this really kills our sex drive like stress and sex just don't go well together and I want to be clear that this can really happen to men and women um you can experience huge drops in your sex drive when entering parenthood and I mean, men also experience big changes to their hormones when they become parents as well. They also can experience a lot of stress um, because now they have all these new responsibilities. Suddenly the weight of responsibilities they already have become a lot more profound, right? Because now you're also caring and providing for a child. Um, but either way, what very often happens is that one partner is feeling far more of a drop in sex drive than the other. Mm -hmm. And when you have mismatched sex drives, that's where the challenge is. Um, so I, what I want to highlight, and maybe you've talked about this in some previous episodes, because I, I know you've read Come As You Are, Yes. right? So I love the way she breaks down, Emily Nagoski breaks down sex drives. So what we label them as drives, which is really smart because as she explains, you can hit the brakes or you can hit the gas. And very often, parent new moms especially are like, okay, I need to like rev my sex drive up. What can I do to get it back? Without acknowledging that the brakes are on the floor. Mm. And so it doesn't matter how much you try to accelerate. Like you've got like the emergency brake on when you're a new mom or a new dad. And so it's just not going to move until you can figure out how to lift the brakes. Um, so we have to really look at what is hitting your brakes, exhaustion, sleeplessness, feeling touched out, um, which is a term we can define later. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know how to stop that from happening. Um, being resentful, if you feel like your load is not being shared equally with your partner. Um, we can have a lot of anxiety around parenthood and the baby if you're still in pain or you're self-conscious of your postpartum body. All of these compound on each other to really press the brakes down. So you have to really talk to your partner about like, what can they do to help lighten the load? Like, Can they help you get a little bit more exercise or time outside by yourself? Can they help you sleep in a little bit more so you're a little more rested? Can they take the baby more? Can they do more around the house? Um, can they just affirm how good you look to them? There's there's a lot that actually needs to come from your partner. And that's why really understanding what equal parenting and equal housekeeping means to you in your relationship and with your partner is a really good goal because that's one of the best ways to actually get your desire back is to feel yeah. fully um so I think it's also important to recognize that like some of the things hitting the brakes just can't be removed like mm -hmm. if you're waking up at night to feed your baby um and you're not sleeping well and you've got the hormones related to breastfeeding and postpartum mm -hmm. that repress your sex drive then like 
you may not be able to lift those brakes for a while. Right. And I really like one of my goals when talking about sex postpartum isn't about like, let me help you get back to a great sex life. It's like, let's acknowledge that it's okay together that we can have a pause in our sex life. And when you look back at this, like if this is a marriage, if this is a long-term relationship, these three months or nine months, sometimes it's a year or so, but it's it's going to be a blip. Mm. And what you need is that you're patient and compassionate with each other to navigate that. And then when you look back, it won't matter. Um, so it's really important to be maintaining emotional and physical intimacy when sex is just like not really there. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the original question, like how to find time, it's like even if desire is there, that's really hard. Like, and <laughs> I think my first tip would be that, you know, you, especially if you have a young baby in the house, there's just always something to be done. And then eventually your baby gets to a place where they have kind of a bedtime, mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe around three months or so, and you put them to sleep. And then that's like, often the best chunk of sleep they'll get in the night is like their first three hours. And really, <laughs> if you're waking up at night with your baby, you should go to sleep then. Like you should be using that time to sleep. But let's say you don't, then it's like, this is our time. But like, don't wait till the end of the day, because no one <laughs> has the energetic capacity for sex or to like go for that connection at the end of the day. I mean, how many times have I seen my husband walk out of the door in the morning and been like, mm, you know, like admire yeah. him and be like, maybe we can do something fun later. And then by the time it's like bedtime is done with the kids, I'm like, don't look at me. Don't yeah. touch me. Like, it's the same day. <laughs> it's the same relationship. It's not his fault. It's not my mm -hmm. fault. But really, like, you have to get really creative with the timing. Like, don't wait till the end of the day. I, I used to think it was really funny, like weird that there was like this American tradition of Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. And I it's weird. Like you're with your kid, like really like that judgy, like I haven't had kids yet. So I'm uh -huh. gonna, why would you turn on TV in the morning? It's the weekend. Like, don't you want to hang out with your children? And now I'm like, Saturday morning cartoons, man. Like who thought of that is like so brilliant. Like, yes, everybody should be doing Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> um, but um, that doesn't really work for a baby, right? That's for a, like, a bit later down. Um, so yeah, you have to get creative. I One thing is you can hire a babysitter and be like, can you take the baby for a walk in the park for an hour? Don't come back. I have this important meeting or my partner and I have to have a conversation. You know, yeah. I mean- that you need to make to like make it a little bit less awkward uh -huh. figure it out um or if you have a grandparent or someone you can be like can we drop the baby off like they know you don't have to say it but they know yeah. okay you know they want you guys to connect and be happy mm -hmm. so um yeah it this is a hard one this is a hard one but it takes time and it takes communication so yeah oh that's great so the next question is that women when breastfeeding tend to dry up and their desires drop dramatically. How do you communicate that to your husband slash tips for making sex feel better? Yeah, well, that's actually two really good questions, right? One is like, how do you communicate that sex is different to your husband? And two, 
tips for re-engaging in sex. So yes, the hormonal changes when breastfeeding result in vaginal dryness, that's the prolactin and the estrogen, and also can result in a repressed sex drive. But let's start with how you're going to communicate this to your partner. Um, my first insight to this is that I've really come to realize how important it is that we reframe how we reject our partners mm. um, when they make a bid for intimacy. Like so often you have um, these situations where you're both getting into bed and your partner puts his arm around your waist or, you know, starts giving you a massage and you're like, oh God, I know where this is headed. And you kind of recoil and you're like, no, I'm tired. Or you kind of, you know, there's no, you, you don't want to engage them. You're afraid to have something start. And um, so what happens there is that for us, we're just thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't even want to deal with this right now. I can't feel sexy right now. I have no energy for sex. I can't even think about it. But without vocalizing any of that, they just feel a rejection, yeah. which most likely is going to affect their self-confidence and they're going to take it personally hmm. because we would too, you know, like if yeah. we were hey, babe. And then they're like, no, not right now. And you're like, ah, you know, like it's, it's rejection is hard yeah. and it's always important, but especially postpartum because there's something really interesting going on, which is that it's not because of one partner or the other. It's just the circumstance of life right now. Right. And that's really important to acknowledge because otherwise, um, at least as I've heard from guys, they're like, I just need to know that I'm still wanted, that I'm still attractive. Like I can take not having sex for a while, but I just need to know that um, I'm still wanted. And that's really yeah. important to them. So when you have to reject a bid for intimacy, which is always okay, then um, you have to say something along the lines of like, oh, babe, like I really miss us. I miss this time in our life or like I, I miss like that time we usually yeah. would have together, but like, I'm just not feeling it. Or you know what? Like, if you want to really communicate, you can be like, I have been on baby duty, like nonstop for like 72 hours. And I, I can't like, I'm touched out. I can't communicate. Like I can't communicate with that part of my body. My cup is empty. I need a break before I can even think about sex. And that's a yeah. great signal to your partner to be like, okay, I'm going to yeah. take you know, like we're going to figure this out mm. together. Um, it's also like, okay, so that's one, like we communicate, we reframe the rejection so they understand where our head is at and that they don't take it personally. But two is like, the question says, how do we communicate that to your husband? I, I, I really think husbands and dads should be learning this stuff, you know, from the beginning, which is why I teach this fatherhood workshop and we talk about sex in the workshop to give them a heads up and um and it's not too late once the baby is born you know dive into this together like have them listen to this podcast with you like on my website on my blog there's two posts about this type of stuff mm -hmm. read those together you know read come as you are together read sex talks by vanessa marin together there's no point in trying to manage your sexual relationship alone like you just yeah. saying that out loud should make it seem absurd right how do you manage the relationship of two people having sex if only mm -hmm. one person is doing the work it really takes two so 
I think it's really important that you both share that knowledge and you're both accountable to that knowledge. Um, and if, you know, if you need a prompt, you can say something like, hey, babe, I'm learning all this stuff that's happening with my body since giving birth. And I want to tell you about it so that we can figure it all out together. That We can get back to having great sex, like a great sex life when we work through this together, because, yeah. you know, you can spin it in the positive. Um you can also say like, thank you for being so patient. I don't want to have sex when I'm not enjoying it. And I can't wait for this phase to pass. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's really um, important. Also you, trying to avoid the chasing dynamic mm -hmm. where your partner is always pursuing you in various times and you're constantly mm -hmm. having to shut them down. It's actually mm -hmm. better to just take sex off the table for a month mm -hmm. or so mutually agreed upon and then you're probably more likely to get back to wanting sex faster than yeah. if you keep it on the table and you're always trying to be persuaded by yourself or by your partner yeah um does that make sense yeah definitely mm -hmm. I mean that's a lot but like reframe rejections mm -hmm. talk like like ed do the education together you know it right. doesn't need to be one mm -hmm. person and then having to kind of like mention it like oh well my body is different you know like embrace it and talk yeah. about it like certainly they know that you were pregnant and they know mm -hmm. that you gave birth and maybe they know that you're breastfeeding so right. let them also understand and know all of this mm -hmm. um how to make sex feel better when you're into it is great so the first tip is lube lots and lots of lube um that is the easiest fix for the vaginal dryness yeah. um and also just giving your body a lot of time to warm up, especially, you know, sometimes we have scarring um, and there were stitches. So there can be a lot of like really tight and tender tissue um, around our vulva and vagina. So it's important to really let your body warm up, which can be with touch, with massage, with a bath, um, going slow. I think that seems fairly obvious, but um, kind of talk together about what boundaries you may have about the type of sex you're gonna have it's also entirely possible to just take penetrative sex off the table and mm. for a while if that's not feeling safe or good um, there's so many other things you can do um, an interesting one is that some women may feel like it's really helpful to express milk before sex mm. yeah which you can hand express or pump because if you have um, a sturdy supply of milk and a strong letdown reflex, which is when mm. the, the milk um, is kind of, what's the word, like ejected by oh. the milk ducts, um, that actually that reflex is connected to the orgasm. Mm. And so when you're aroused or orgasm during sex, you can have also a lot of letdown. And um, that can be awkward and mm. not something people want. So sometimes... Yeah pressing some milk beforehand can prevent that. And also having a safe word, you know, you can make up a, a new one or one if you've never used one before, mm -hmm. just for this, which is like, this is this word that means that my mind just went somewhere else. Like it went mm -hmm. to the baby, it went to the birth, maybe there's some trauma there, or just some, like I hit some pain and mm -hmm. I don't want to keep going because the worst thing we can do for our sex lives is push through bad sex right yeah. it really sets us up for negative conditioning you start to disassociate during sex mm -hmm. your partner will see that you're pulling away um 
And it can also mean that your sex drive is absolutely not going to come back in full yeah. force. So again, talk to the about this together so that you're both understanding why this compassion and patience is really for the long-term mm-hmm. betterment, right? Like health of your sex life. Um, so I hope those tips help. Um, you can find them in the blog post on my website, okay. which is linked in my bio. So if you ever need to come back to them, want to see it in writing, all those tips are written out there. Uh, and I'll link that in the show notes as well. So that if people are listening, they can just go straight to that post. So. <laughs> then, so I guess kind of along a similar vein of this last question, how have you navigated how your body has changed and quote, like getting your sexy back after birth? Yeah, that's, uh, I think for, for me, I, you know, just trying to maintain my partner's perspective and mm-hmm. it's really it's such a personal question because everyone feels really different in their bodies and our bodies respond to pregnancy and birth and breastfeeding very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as women, we are so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we also need to recognize that we will, you will never have the same body that you mm-hmm. had before you had a baby or three. Um, never. It's not possible because you're not the same person. Just like when you're in your thirties, you're not like, Oh, I need to get my twenties body back. Right? right. I need to get back to my 18 year old body. Like no one says that it's absurd. Yeah. Our bodies change. They better, you know, they, they evolve, they get stronger. Um, they get bigger, they get smaller, you know, it, yeah. it just changes. And so th- that's not realistic, first of all. And I think we should stop perpetuating this idea mm-hmm. that we have to like get our, our pre baby body back. Cause that's just yeah. not going to, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, to find that confidence, I think it really helps to try to see yourself through your partner's perspective, mm. because often our partners don't see any of what we see, mm. or they see it and they love it because it tells a story and it shows how strong you were and they find it sexy and beautiful. And we just criticize it, you know, like, oh, the stretch marks or, oh, the skin is loose. Um I think, I think, you know, ask your partner for those affirmations or just say like, well, (laughs) I wish we all had like, I don't know, like full relationship training, right? Because Mm -hmm. these are, when you say something like, um, like, oh, I hate these stretch marks, you know, that's a bid, right? Mm -hmm. That you're giving your partner, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that our partners all can know that without having read books on relationships of like oh she's looking for you know like and we don't say it even knowing what we're looking for but do it anyway or even if you're just sitting on the couch and you go ah you know that's a bid it's a bid bid for like I I need some attention right now and our partners do it to us we do it to our partners and definitely with things with bodies maybe it's yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. I'm sorry. I think recognizing how your partner feels, um, but also maybe I think for me, what's been exciting is recognizing that the work that we've done to reclaim our sex lives after becoming parents has been like the only work we've done on our sex life, right? Mm -hmm. Beforehand, you just like take it for granted. And this is like this really cool opportunity to actually talk about this stuff and to find maybe like, 
especially if something like penetrative sex is off the table, that's a great opportunity to like open a whole new book and get creative and learn new things together. So I think you can look at it from that perspective as an opportunity. Yeah, that's such great advice. I also love how you're talking about, I'm trying to complete blank on the second word now, but compassion and patience patience yes and like how that's really important to foster during that period because like again like you're saying like it's a blimp of time and like the past like once you get through that you know what I mean but like what is important is like how you're treating your partner and like that compassion and patience that you're showing towards each each other so it's really incredible yeah and actually I should back up because something I usually like to say at the beginning is that everything we're talking about can really apply to during pregnancy as well. Also during trying to conceive for Mm -hmm. couples. Um, Even if you only tried to conceive for two, three months, sex probably took on a whole new definition Mm -hmm. and felt weird. And especially for people that work with fertility treatments or try to conceive for years, Mm -hmm. it can be that that's a whole different topic but a lot of this stuff also applies there and um yeah compassion and patience are definitely like keywords there yeah yeah definitely so kind of going back to breastfeeding um there's a lot of myths that you can't get pregnant while breastfeeding um and that sometimes you can actually ovulate two or three times before your period come back and like everything feels different is it like true that you can't get pregnant with your breastfeeding or is that false it's false. Uh, you can absolutely get pregnant while breastfeeding. I think that's so important. I mean, one of my main tips for re-engaging in sex is use contraception. Um, it's really important. And um, yeah, so you can get pregnant while breastfeeding. People, whether they're breastfeeding or not, may not get their period again for six weeks. They may not get their period again for a year or more. Um, it's really varied, just like our experiences with pregnancy and birth it's incredibly personal and in that time that you're not having your period you can absolutely be ovulating two times five times 20 times um there's really no saying Mm. um yeah can there was another yeah what was the next one yes (laughs) um sorry um it was tips to be in the moment and enjoy sex instead of like oh after this i have to clean the bottles or do the laundry or you know i thought you asked me something else relating to the previous question um i I just want to you do need to implement birth control like that's Mm -hmm. yeah i wish we didn't but like we do you do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so sorry go ahead yes sorry so then the next question is um like tips on how to be in the moment and enjoy sex um and like being present Versus like having this like laundry list of things that you have to do afterwards. Yeah. I mean, my first like tip tip would be to play music. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think um, it's a really fun way to stay more present in sex and not have like a lot of other things happening Mm -hmm. in your mind, um, whether that's related to motherhood or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And my second tip is that, and also when I say play music, everyone's like, but then I won't hear the baby. I promise you, you will hear your baby. <laughs> you need to put your baby monitor right next to your speaker. You can do that. You will hear mm-hmm. your baby. You know, like we're like so cute. And I'm not saying you have to play the yeah. music. But so that's one. And then my second tip is make sure you're having good sex. Because if you're having bad or boring sex, it's really easy to think about the laundry. And that's really lame. Mm-hmm. Um I, and you, I, I should hope that you'd want your partner to know 
that you're thinking about the laundry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cleaning bottles. Um, which could either be like, hey babe, my head's like really not in it right now. Like either we need to like try something different right now and turn up the heat, or we need to stop so I can go put a load of laundry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um to which you know, you could have this wonderful response of like, yeah. how about I go do that load of laundry while you like get that vibrator out or, you know, like figure, like get more in the mood and I'll be back yeah. in minutes. You know, well, isn't that like a dream scenario? But it can happen when we communicate and respect each other. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, aspire to, I, I know it's really hard to talk about sex, but like you can build up little by little. Have you read the Sex Talks book by Vanessa Marin? I haven't. But when you said that earlier in the episode, I was like, I have to add that to my reading list. You heard about it? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, they're a wonderful account on Instagram and they yeah. wrote, she wrote a book fairly recently and it's literally a book about talking about sex with your partner. Incredible. And it, does a wonderful job of just starting really incrementally and building up for people that find that awkward or uncomfortable, which is actually, I think 99% of us. Um, It's great. So that's, that's also a tip, I guess. Um, I mean, I really feel really sad and uncomfortable at the idea of women constantly compromising for mediocrity while our partners get to fully enjoy themselves, you know, yeah. we're entitled to our full pleasure. So there is a lot to do and worry about when you're a new mom, but I would really hope that you're looking forward to those 30 minutes in bed yeah. with your partner and you're enjoying it. And if that's not true, I think there's just so much more to unpack and work on than how do I stay in the moment? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it's, it's, I think that's a little bit of a harsh answer, but that's my honest take on that. Yeah, definitely. And then I really feel like I should have grouped these questions differently because I feel like now we're going back to questions. But um, so this is from one of our listeners. She says, very niche, but how do you track your cycle when you might like not have a cycle? Um, she said, I'm thinking like LH strips. Um, and she says, I know at my OBGYN, they hype up birth control a lot because women have very crazy, unpredictable cycles after giving birth and she's asking about some alternatives so yeah I can totally understand why you may not want to take hormonal birth control right after having a baby but you cannot track your cycle Mm -hmm. when you're not having a cycle and that you can be ovulating like we said so the answer is condoms yeah it's it's like Um, yeah, it's a really easy one, actually. Um, it's a lot more affordable than a lot of other options. Right. And, um, you know, frankly, like you were nine months pregnant, which was inconvenient and uncomfortable. And then you birthed your baby, which was, (laughs) and now you're recovering from it. So I I really think your partner can take on this like small inconvenience. And it's important to use um, water or silicone-based lube mm-hmm. if you're using latex condoms, not oil-based lube, because they're not compatible. Um, and yeah, you can try that out for a year or so and then yeah. figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Then the next listener question is, I had a traumatic pregnancy and birth and also had to get stitches and I'm scared to have sex. How do you know when you're physically ready to have sex again? And is the six week rule hard and fast? 
Yeah, good question. I'm really sorry. Trauma in pregnancy and birth is really too common. And I'm sorry, that's your story. Um, Yeah, good question about the six weeks rule. The six weeks rule actually means almost nothing when it comes to us being ready to have sex, which is Mm -hmm. one of those myths or kind of things we need to deconstruct um only you can know when you're ready to have sex Mm -hmm. um the six-week rule is the doctors looking to understand to to check that your stitches have healed if you had any so that there's not much risk of infection anymore and the six weeks is about how long it takes our uterus to go from like watermelon size back down to fist size and for the very large wound that was the placenta leaving the body to have healed and closed so that blood loss is no longer a risk so that's what the six-week rule is about and when they say don't have sex before six weeks personally i think like if you're feeling really good and aren't worried about these things then you probably are safe to have sex but uh, they're just trying to prevent infection mostly yeah. um, but yes once the six weeks have passed it isn't just up to you um so my first suggestion for if you're feeling scared to have sex again which is very understandable is to spend some time exploring your own body um, and the tissues around any stitches you may have or any areas that you're feeling concerned about um, including scar tissue if you had a cesarean Mm -hmm. touch your touch yourself Um, it doesn't have to be in a sexual way but just massage any of those tissues you can really help break down scar tissue with massage Mm -hmm. You can put some gentle pressure and discover what causes pain and maybe what limits or boundaries you're going to have and tell your partner what that's feeling like for you so that they can also um, be empathetic and understanding to what you're going through. My second suggestion is that penetrative sex should probably be taken off the table for you Mm -hmm. for the first few times of resuming sex or for as long as you need. And I think that's a totally reasonable request. I think it's incredibly important after traumatic pregnancy or birth that you get to enjoy pleasure in the most comfortable way possible. And that's the best way to get back to your sex life. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, you can do that with a lot of different ways. Um, And when you're feeling more confident, then you can start to test other limits. Um, But it's really important that if anything is triggering for you or painful that you stop because invoking trauma during sex is not something you should ever have to tolerate. You can use a safe word, you can take a break and you can talk about it later. Um, I like to say like you say your safe word, your partner acknowledges it and says, okay, let's take a break. Let's put on Netflix. Let's just watch a show. And then hopefully within that 24 hours, you'll cycle back to, hey, babe, what happened the other, like last night or this morning? What can we do differently next time to help prevent that from happening? Um, Yeah. And if you try to power through it, you can really just set up a negative cycle where you may start avoiding sex, right? So I think we all deserve so much more than that. And again, it comes to like, compassionate communication, patience. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a team in this together. Um, you've been through birth together. 
um, you have a baby together and that's so beautiful and exciting. And then there's this, this other part of it that we have to navigate, but I really promise it will get better. Um, as long as we're really gentle with ourselves, it's just, it's just a matter of some time. Yeah. Yeah. And then as a final question, do you have any resources or tips for either expecting moms or postpartum mothers? Oh my God, I wish there were better ones out there. You know, the books I've read, they may touch on parenthood, but they usually kind of, I mean, honestly, all the tips around sex postpartum is like good advice from a sexologist. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the books like Come As You Are, Sex Talks, these can all help. There's just the two blog posts on my website right now. I'm also doing this new thing where weekly people can ask anonymous questions via my Instagram and then I'm answering them. Um in my stories since it's anonymous um so if you have another question you're welcome to drop it there i answer them on i try to answer them on thursdays um but yeah gosh i wish i had a a better answer to that i think ultimately if you're still finding it challenging that finding a relationship counselor and a sex positive one or a sex therapist is just a really good thing to do um for both of you but your best resource is your partner mm-hmm. and kind of investing in in both kind of understanding everything together yeah definitely um, yeah it's really it's a topic that's just not um talked about enough actually mm-hmm. if you could let me yeah. look something up really fast there is another that I wish I knew. Yeah, it's called Get Your Mojo Back, Sex, Pleasure, and Intimacy After Birth by Cleo Wood. Okay. Um, is another book that is very specific on this topic. Get Your Mojo Back. I like the title. Incredible. And then if people do want to either submit these questions or even just find you on Instagram or your blog posts, where can they find you? Yeah, thanks. My business name is Adapting to Love and my Instagram is Adapting to Love and my website is AdaptingToLove.com. So that's where you can find me. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining this episode. And as always, if anyone has any questions, comments, or concerns, they can reach out to me at theholyshift.podcast on Instagram or theholyshift.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.